Restriction for too much trouble. And there's also FBI warnings, which is if there wasn't enough trouble around, you get the fucking FBI involved warning. Remember, remember when that was the thing? When piracy was like such a, a crazy concept and like everybody was like, you can't Before. copy this shit or we'll, we'll sue the hell out of you. I mean, you still can't, but you just don't see that anymore. Yeah. Like the, the you were all, everybody here was here for the crossover of when it went from digital stealing from like them talking about you putting on a VHS and giving it to somebody. It's like what they were talking about back in this day. Yeah. Making bunk copies. It's not even about, tor- it wasn't even about torrents yet. Mm. Columbia Pictures. Doing it big. Doing it big and glorious. Columbia Pictures before they were owned by Sony. Hello, Columbia lady. Now you're gone. <laughs> That has Illuminati ties to it, I believe. Columbia Pictures presents... Very Statue of Liberty. Stand by me, ladies and gentlemen. So we're talking about... Welcome welcome back to the Dead Kids of Derry, everybody out there. Um, Stand by me uh, is our film of today. And, uh, you know, the Rob Reiner-directed film, Meathead himself, from All in the Family and a whole bunch of different things. More recently... He was in um, what, The Wolf of Wall Street. That, he was in that, right? Yeah, yeah he, he was, was the most in, recent thing I've seen him he in. He was Jordan Belfort's dad. Yeah. When he's like, yeah, when the, 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 the prostitution, that's the best scene in there. Yeah. Um, great, good movie all, overall. Stephen King, yeah, this is definitely a departure from his typical you know, horror roots. There's still, like James was saying before, cameras rolled up. There's still some horror in this with the dead bodies and such. But for the most part, it's but really honestly, a... it's the Stephen King feel-good movie of of the century. It's coming of age. Um... Yes. It, it, it's this is Shawshank Redemption. Mm. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I mean, the about Star- Shawshank's feel good. <laughs> well, well, yeah, Shawshank Redemption is definitely more of a. It's a departure. It's more real life and more dealing with you know adult themes. And this is more real life dealing with kid themes. Yeah, for so. sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, this 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 is interesting. I mean, uh, for those out there that don't know, the novelization of this film is called The Body. Um, it, it's uh, it's in one of his short film uh, short story compilations. Uh, I mean, this is this shares a lot of correlations with it yeah. in that it's it's very based in like Stephen King's youth. And, like, how he grew up. And, like, you know, the things that his friends and him got up to. Um, the, the, the the group of kids is very similar in age to the kids in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little bit more fucked up, <laughs> for lack of a better word, yeah. um, than the kids in it. But, yeah. Yeah. And plus, also, you've got some of... Uh... 
the powerhouses, uh, young child actors of the time. You got Corey Feldman. You got uh, River Phoenix. You got Will Wheaton. You got uh, Jerry O'Connell and also a young Kiefer Sutherland. Yes, and Eyeball Chambers, who went on to play in Class of 1999. Cusack's also in this film. Yeah, John Cusack's in it. How can you forget Cusack? Very easily, actually. Ouch. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm with Alex on that one. But. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, he's, he's good in some stuff, but uh, other stuff, he's, he's kind of forgettable. He's a, he's a veteran to the Stephen King game. He's also got 1408. Mm, and, uh, one of his better. One of his better. He probably would have been the dude in Secret Window if Johnny Depp turned it down. So there's you know, that. You can't hate on him too much. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, yeah. This this movie, like the the level of '80s talent in this film, is probably more stacked than any other Stephen King piece. Hey, here's my boy there. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. And almost everybody in this cast, short of the late River Phoenix, who never got a chance to, but almost everybody in this cast went on to do something cool in horror. Hmm. River Phoenix was set up to do Interview with a Vampire. He so was. He, he would have had his horror ties. But then, they, could, you know. but then they had to swoop in with the save and get, get our boy Brad Pitt. Was it Brad Pitt or was it Christian Slater? I thought it was. Christian. Oh, it was Christian Slater. My bad, Christian Slater. You're right. Gave, I believe Christian Slater gave all his money, all the money he got for it, to like River Phoenix's family or something. Yeah, he did. That was really cool in that documentary that they opened up about that. All the proceeds went to Phoenix's estate. Proceeds. That was my mistake. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> little tired, guys. A little tired. Yo, it happens, man. It happens. I think we're all secretly drained. Yeah, but dreaming. But no, everybody else in this cast, like genre, genre film royalty. I mean, Kiefer Sutherland. I think it was like two years later he did The Lost Boys. You know? Yeah, he did with Corey Feldman. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, yeah, this is a badass shit. Feldog was recently selling uh, plasters of his ears. You can get fake. Uh, Feldman airs from Stand By Me. Because I think it's the 40th anniversary or 50th anniversary this year. 40th. 40th, 40th. Yeah. yeah. Something wild. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, Corey Feldman's fucking... I got opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I got opinions about that guy. Uh, but no, I mean, Jerry O'Connell he did Scream 2. Mm-hmm. You know? And also, like I said, uh, he did the, uh, the remake of Piranha. He yeah. did. He yeah. did do the remake of Piranha in 3D. I think, no, the 3D was uh, the one after. He, uh, the one before 3D uh, he was in. No, he, oh. did 3, he did 3D. Yeah, no, he did 3D. I think you're thinking of 3 double D. I'm thinking double D. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah. uh, my bad. Yeah. I was about to say, no, I definitely saw him get ripped apart in three dimensions. Because <laughs> <laughs> the sequel to that was with the Hoff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. That, that he was the best part of the movie. He's huge in Germany. That, oh, that huge. But no, I mean, this movie, I don't know. It's it's super warm. Yeah. It just feels warm. It's like one of those, like, but it doesn't feel like, like how we were talking about last episode of Maximum Overdrive, where it looks oppressively warm. Mm-hmm. This yeah. just feels like, it looks like the visual equivalent of comfort food. Yeah. Like, it's soft. It's 
Well, I mean, fuzzy. I mean, if you look not, at, at, at the film itself, it's it's very soft colors, and 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 it kind of almost has a you know kind of um, soft texture to everything in yeah. it. Yeah, Norman Rockwell painting type American family type vibe. Yeah, very very uh, down home warm, just comfortable comfortable summer day. Yeah, the Fell Diesel man. The most supposedly the most I'd say torture the soul if you of, of this bunch if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Corey Corey Feldman had his party days with the Haim when when the two Corys was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Rob Reiner directed Misery as well, right? I yes, he did. Uh, yeah. So he even returned. He you know him and Mick Garris. I'm, I'm curious how many maybe Craig R. Baxley. How many people returned to direct multiple? King adaptations. Just like to throw in real quick to mentioning misery. Uh, rest in peace, James Conn. Yeah, rest in peace. Oh, yes, yeah. just yesterday. Yesterday, and I heard uh, unfortunately, Polly Walnuts just died yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. He Tony Sterikill. It's very sad. Very sad. We can't keep losing these bad boys. Oh, that's okay. I'll I'll will t- pick up the slack. I'll be the there. Bad it is. Boy. There I'll it be is. the bad boy of the dead kids of day. Alex, Alex is gonna start busting heads in this bitch. Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about what you going to do? You going to take out all of us, man? Fuck! You can bust heads and I'll curb stomp. We're going to the fucking mattresses. We're gonna start fighting other pod- podcasts like a gang. Okay. I love that. I love Let's that. get Tim Roth in there. I'm about it. I'm just saying. I'm about it. I think it's a great idea. You guys ever hear that story about how uh, after Rob Reiner screened this for King, King was all like shooken up and Rob Reiner thought he was angry and was going to like punch him out and he walked over to go talk to him and he was like almost emotional about how it's like the best adaptation of his film, one of his books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, uh, this this is like... See, this is this is King's in the hand. This is King in the hands of like a real, not to knock anybody that came before. I mean, like, right. or anybody, but a real master, like yeah. a guy that doesn't really work in just genre film, but a guy that just Works handles in film. So, in film, uh, and he doesn't give a fuck about the genre. He's just a good filmmaker. Good he's just a good fucking filmmaker. And I, yeah, I think that uh, brilliant. The family knows something in the industry, and they've been lucky enough to pass it down. And, and he, the, you look at his filmography uh, mm-hmm. for Reiner's, and he can tackle any genre. That's what a good director does. And this is definitely a piece. And I love the look of this movie because the only way I can describe it is it looks like an antique. Because yeah. I think the cinematography is brilliant. And there's only one other movie, as ridiculous as it sounds, that actually looks like an antique to me in this zone part. And that's actually Puppet Master 3. Because you have that's a good one. someone like Romano Albani, who's a cinematographer, one of the best who worked with like Fellini yeah. way back in the 60s. Yeah. You know it's a fucking Puppet Master movie. But if you know your lights, you know how to make things look... Antique is the only word I can say but it's just it's a real beautiful definitive look when they can capture it right in certain it's, aesthetic it's a fair assessment i would say but reiner i mean he's he's in that caliber with as far as i'm concerned the guys that just 
they hardly ever can make a bad movie. Like Spielberg, Zemeckis, fucking a lot of the guys that came out of the eighties just just they just know film. They just know how to make a great movie and it transcends whatever genre they're working in, you know? Yeah, he's done he's done a lot of good stuff. He, he I don't I don't know if I'd personally put him with like a Spielberger type, even though Spielberg has had those big flops too. I appreciate Rob Reiner, and I have much love for Rob Reiner for the fucking meathead character, because I love all in the family. What you said earlier was interesting about, you know, the people before him. There really is two types of, you know, like, those are all horror people. I mean, they're people that we love, you know, De Palma, Carpenter, and all them. It's like, uh, but yeah, the thing with Reiner is it's just more of a, I don't know, like a classier type picture I think you were going for, and it was like, yeah, that's the vibe, but he's royalty like Hawk said, so I mean, yeah. you know, one of the big differences you get when you have when you're royalty like that is connections, so like, he knows the best cinematographer, the best lighting yeah, people, for they sure. all, they all, well, they're all friends with his dad, you know what I mean? Uh, and he has talent, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think that's why you get a more polished look, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you get you get access to a higher tier. He should be credited. People don't really do much, but he really should be credited for um, bringing uh, Stephen King out of the horror territory for a little bit. Because without this, they might never have given hope for uh, you know Shawshank Redemption. I don't think Shawshank, The Green Mile, uh, Green Mile, even further back, even further off, like they might not even given Dolores Claiborne a shot. Right, I agree. Agreed. Dolores Claiborne there, I think it's probably like, out of all of them, I think that would have been definitely the one they would have never have done. Mm-hmm. That, that won like Academy Awards and stuff, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it did. Uh, As did Shawshank. Does, who, does anybody know who directed Dolores Claiborne? Not off the top of my head, no. I think it's a big name director. Give me a second, because I, I need to know this. You need to. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, the the, yes. the the bad boy, the the badass. <laughs> well, this got him the Lost Boys. Yeah, his, his specific performance of Ace is what got him David in the Lost Boys. You can Great see love. the pure like not difference, you know? Like he's kind of like the same character. Apparently, a, a lot bit. of these actors were like just themselves during this movie too. Great look. I mean, Kiefer's look. That name. First of all, that name is devastating. Another name that comes from royalty. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, his dad. Yep. The what the fuck can you say about Donald Sutherland? The guy's the guy's an absolute legend. Oh yeah, he is an icon. The original Donald. You know. What yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, Taylor Dickford. This dude's cool too. Oh, Taylor Dickford did it. Yeah, he directed Ray. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah the, the Devil's Advocate. Classic. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Satan movies. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's he's yeah, he's also and he directed some music videos as well for Phil Collins and Lionel Richie and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, Kiefer, Kiefer, this was like I think this was one of his first roles, if not his first role. Mm. But right out of the right out of the gate, right out of the rip, you could just feel some electricity off of his performance. Like, yeah. like the guy just has something. You know what he I mean? Does. Great look. I mean, you, 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 that look is very. He can be even in this when you watch him when he's when he's jokingly trying to be a nice guy to the brother and stuff. You can see the sin- sincerity in his face, but he has a darkness to him too. That when he goes there, it's like very creepy. Yeah, you you always feel like there's like 
a gear turning in his head that's a little off in the whole performance, whether he's being nice to somebody, being an asshole. Like, you could tell, like, this kid's fucking deranged. Like, like, there's something wrong with him. Like, he will kill you. (laughs) He was going to kill the boys because during the filming, they uh, they were known, these these boys here were known to do a lot of pranks, and I guess they raised hell in their hotel, and one of the things they did was they covered Kiefer Sutherland's car in mud. Ah! Uh Those hellions, those damn hellions. And now, now it's is the uh, most famous bridge scene where uh, they're walking across and. Uh, going I don't think I don't think I don't think it's quite the train jump yet, but that's that's further along. I think oh, this, that's further uh, along. Not the, okay. not the, one of the most famous bridge scenes in Kiefer Sutherland's career. <laughs> I wonder how many one, bridges. One of two. Yeah. One of two. One of. Got another one that might be a little more iconic. I think. Yeah. Maybe. But. One of two, for sure. Nah, man. I mean, I well, mean, I mean, I think one of the best things about this film is yeah. uh, how Rob Reiner has it all set up. That for like almost all the time when the boys are on screen, it's all of them together. You very rarely see like just one or two by themselves. Always, no, you. Alex, you're hitting you're hitting an important point. Like most of the time, like especially in the '80s when you did dialogue, yeah. it was like a single focus shot. Like you yeah. had it was on the person saying the words, and then it would swap and you know, like old TV style. Yeah. This one, you're right. It's very much everybody. The kids are all in the in the moment and together. They, he pulls the camera back. He lets them all be together. Yeah, and I think that was actually a pretty brilliant move because it doesn't detach you as much. From yeah. these four kids being, you know, a team for lack. Yeah, and and it's it's great because I mean, I don't know how close they take uh, spent to the script, but uh, I think that they improved quite a bit, so that probably helped a lot. Not as much as you'd think. Not as much okay. as you think. If you read the body, a lot of the lines from the body actually made it into this verbatim. Um, there is some ad lib. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's some ad lib in there, but there's a lot of very specific dialogue from the book that actually made it into the movie, which always kind of surprised me because again, why probably why Stephen King thought it was one of his most faithful was because a lot of what he wrote was actually still in there. Yeah, but yeah, this is the first time you get a vibe for Feldman's character really being, uh, as fu- kind of as fucked up as he is, he would have. He, he he wanted to die, man. I know he's playing around. Train dodge, dig it. Then he'll save that boy's life. Yeah, I mean, River Corey Fe- Feldman. Uh. <laughs> we got Feldman. They took away River Phoenix. What a what a fucking talent that's a sh- River that's Phoenix a shit is. Trade. That's a yeah. shit trade. Where, where do you guys think River Phoenix would be if he was still kicking it with us today? Oh, I hey, think he'd be up there doing doing films like uh, what Brad Pitt's doing. I mean, you've heard my oh, theory. Yeah. You've heard my Johnny Depp theory. I think he would always be up against Christian Bale. Well, I think that I, I you know, I, I want to speculate and say that I think, I think JD Johnny Depp let him die in that club, knowing 
all the roles that he would get, Johnny Depp would be. Would Johnny Depp? You think Johnny Depp would be as huge as he is if River Phoenix stayed around? Absolutely not. He was really his competition. If you want to get you know wild and crazy, if you you think about those down, if you think about the 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 rumor mill of of the Hollywood time, they were up for a lot of the same roles. If I'm not mistaken, he was up for Edward Scissorhands. He was up for a couple of other things. Like they were they were neck and neck. I mean. Is Johnny Depp a big enough asshole to actually do that? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you ask Amber Heard, he probably would say yes. Well, they're <laughs> both terrible people. Thank you. Yes, they are. Never. They are absolutely both terrible people. Never, yeah. never, you can never under, underestimate what certain people would do for for that fame and money and all that. Like they're, you know, they'd kill their own family members for it sometimes. I, I I'm going to be honest too. If you if you look at what little we got of River Phoenix body of work, unfortunately yeah. because of his untie, that guy would have Oscars. He really would on his shelf. Yeah. He'd be chilling. Yeah, he'd have think- like five or six. I agree. Point. Is this why Johnny Depp hates watching his own movies? Because he feels guilty about what he did? I think Johnny Depp hates watching his own movies because then he realizes he's not that great of an actor. I mean, that too. That too. I, my personal favorite is how Sam Jackson loves watching his own movies. Yeah, no. Sam Jackson's probably the most down-to-earth son of a bitch in Hollywood, if you want to be honest, because he's got more credits than most of the people that he works with by, like, three or four times. And he just, he's not pretentious about it in any way, shape, or form. I love that guy. He's awesome. I, 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 I love it. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson uh, made a comment recently that, you know, I'm perfectly happy being, you know, Nick Fury or Mace Windu. He's like, I, I'm not chasing any of these, like, Oscar movies. I mean, it, like, not my thing. He came up. He came up in a time when black people getting Oscars was almost an impossible concept, so that's why he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. The first 30 years of his career, it was never going to fucking happen. So, <laughs> Well, I just watched one of his earliest movies recently, um, Death by Temptation. Oh, yeah, trauma. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. What an excellent movie. That's, that it is a good film. It's actually- I have no preconceived notion. I mean, I've always known. I've seen the box set, the trailer. And I'm like, let's actually check it out. And I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty fucking good. Yeah, Troma's acquired some decent films throughout the years, other than Lloyd's. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. Not I mean with that? Yeah, I mean. I think, I think the thing about Stand By Me that, like, strikes a chord, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to be sexist or anything, but probably strikes a chord in all of the male types in the world is like this is being a little boy yeah yeah you know what i mean in in a nutshell this is this is the shit you get up to with your friends when you're 12 and 13 years old like let's go let's go walk down the fucking train tracks and find a corpse i mean maybe the corpse was there maybe it wasn't but i think all of us have had a moment in our lives where we're like we're gonna just walk down the fucking train tracks all day and see what the hell happens you know what i mean i I mean i think that's Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's kind of missing, uh, definitely in, like, you know, nowadays. I mean, you have kids just on their cell phones and, and all that. I mean, you don't see kids going out, like, going on adventures, checking out what's in your backyard, you know. Riding their bikes and, through town for no reason. Yeah. yeah. that's And that's why kids have fucking diagnosed anxiety disorders when they're five. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're five! <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, watching these these four kids together, it's. I mean, there's there's other movies that you know you have a group of friends and you feel like there's like chemistry, but this one, I gotta say, out of all the movies I've seen, I would say this is the best movie where you literally feel like these kids are friends. They're, it's a ma- it's a magic it's it's an absolute magical chemistry. Yeah, in this film, I, yeah, they bonded you, before filming too. Yeah, yeah, I know and, that. Yeah, well, well awesome. as I was going to say, it's. And 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 the going off what you guys said that yeah you do I mean this is the kind of stuff that you know we did as kids you know just hanging out you know flipping coins you know playing cards trying trying to see who can flipping spit the coins. Hmm? They're not flipping me. I'm going to, I'm going to donkey punch them. Anyway. <laughs> beat up Bill's family. Flipping coins. Yeah. But, flipping uh, coins. That's so next. Sutherland often picked on all the boys. Keep them them in mind. I I think that I I heard that, and I think it was actually an acting tactic. I think he was. I I think he was provoking them so that they were intimidated when he was on on in a scene with them. Which I think's like I don't really condone method acting, but I think that's one like little bit of piece that you can get like a more realistic reaction out of people, especially kids. That was like the remake of it. They did the same thing. They didn't reveal like Pennywise until that. Scene. Yeah. So that was like the real reaction. It was great. Yeah. And Bill Skarsgård didn't really like interact with the kids at all. No. No reason for him to. I know Kane Hodder is like that on on the set of like the Jason movies and probably you know the Hatchet films. You know, he he's, he likes to scare everybody and not be around him and listens to music, listens to Juggalo music, fun fact. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Now you see an old truck like that and it really reminds you where you're at. You know what I mean? You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's <laughs> Rock, Oregon. That's where you're at. Yeah. So, 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 uh, is this California Maine or what? which kind of Maine is this? This isn't Maine at all. They, they actually did a smart move in the beginning of the film. Because okay. it's obviously, obviously, the book is set in Castle Rock, Maine, because yeah. he has an established Castle Rock mm. that he uses for everything, like Shawshank Prison and all that right. other stuff. But in this, in the beginning of the movie, they actually made a really, and Rob Reiner again, smart bastard, in the beginning, it says it's Castle Rock, Oregon. Mm. Oh, okay. Not Castle Rock, Maine, so they can get away with it not looking like Maine. <laughs> yeah. That was that was smart on Reiner's part, and I I, I want to say he probably went back and looked at King's work and went, "All this is supposed to be Maine, but none of it looks alike." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the Maine in in Stephen King's uh, reality is 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 different than what it is in real reality. I and guess. the more you read Stephen King, the more you realize how we how further from reality it is. <laughs> that father's got horror ties. Does anybody Marshall Bell uh, uh, fucking virus uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and then yeah the mother is Frances Lee McCain who was the mom in Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah she was. Exactly. Most badass part of Gremlins too. Literally. <laughs> she fucked those little green bastards up. In the kitchen style, kitchen food. Oh yeah, dude, she was doing she was doing some hardcore shit with like kitchen knives. She what? She impaled one. Spray in the microwave. Sword. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. She killed one with a sword. Kill, that, that was my favorite kill of them all. That and the blender. <laughs> the blender yes. was great. That first scene was actually way too watery, and they had to do it again because apparently that kitchen was painted green once that thing went... <laughs> oh, no. And they were like, Joe Dante, yeah, we we got to do it again. It, it, there was too much liquid. There was way, way too much blood in that gremlin, and they had to actually film that scene again. It's so, so it had a little more texture in it. Hey. Well, your your hair is really becoming your trademark over there. I'm digging that. It's that's wild, dude. You got that shit's out like what, like six inches on each side it's of your head. Like you almost look like an umbrella hat. You know what I mean? Right. Underneath the umbrella tree. I like it. <laughs> that's fucking disturbing. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I say that we have to do a horror movie that's all about Billy Coyne's hair. Okay? Yes. That it's like a sentient being that has oh. come down from, from And it like the, talks to him like Venom. Will Wheaton's running from Bill's hair, right? Kill them. We he's running from Choppa. He's running from Choppa <laughs> who's sick in his balls. That's, that's yeah. who he's running from. I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm doing it nothing to no one's balls. What the hell are you doing? Chopper! <laughs> On the, on the movie, Billy. Oh, you're talking yeah. about the puppy dog. The dog. Chopper. Sick balls. Ooh, and Ooh, the doggy shit. bites his ass. Really, you just have sick balls. Not not sick balls, but Bite you have, like, gonorrhea sick balls type deal. Uh-oh, angry guy. Watch I'm not even offended by that. No, well, I wasn't trying to offend you. It was a fact. <laughs> I was trying to bring it up. I'm trying to counsel you through it. Corey Feldman, help me. He's about to get fucking angry if I remember correctly. He'd, he'd help you, but it's gonna cost him. A, it's gonna cost you like a fifty spot. Oh, you know, well, yeah. I'll give him the eighth, and I'll get buy him a forty, and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Talk, he's talking shit about the old man, which I believe is the first time you find out that there's something up with the old man of Feldman's character. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No. So you can you, you can you circle back and kind of start to get a vibe why he's so uh, you know wild and careless, if you will. Stuck his I, stuck his ear to the door you know, of an oven. With, with, all, with all the fucking issues Feldman has gone through, I think he was actually one of the best child actors in the eighties. I you know, Feldman's he, he, an, a he could get along. Him, but I appreciate he could it. get along with pretty much anyone, and it's okay, just no. it's, so much happened. Some stuff. Yeah, I don't want to bring up. Some right. stuff. It's just there was something at one point. I think he really was. One of the greatest child actors of the eighties. He he is a weird mixed bag as a person and as a performer. Yeah, yeah. in my opinion, he's got some great stuff. I'm sorry, Edward Edgar Frog is fucking fantastic. Him and Jameson yeah. Newlander and Lost Boys, they were amazing. Fucking, I mean, the, the, the timing, the comedic timing they had with each other, and how straight and dry they played that that was that was magic. It was fucking gold. But, but that's like with this movie because I see Feldman almost like like a, a like a Luke Costello. I mean, if he could bounce off the right person, he will make it try to make it as natural as it possibly can. I can and that's that. where there was that strange dichotomy between the two Corys because they did get along with each other so well. And I think that as as an actor, that's what you want to do if you're going to perform. You want to get along well with your others. But my but thing you're with right. all the, but- but my thing with the two Corys, Zara Feldman, is that none of that shit was good. No. None of it was ain't like, good. 
I, I okay, except license to drive. Except license to drive. That shit was yeah, that shit was, each other. No, license to drive was fucking fantastic. But yeah. it was fantastic because of the parents. Carol Kane and the father were from incredible. It, from they it, were yeah. hilarious. They were hilarious. Uh, I like that. I like the chorus in there too. They did a movie called Last Resort, which I only, it's not that good of a movie, but they, they, they dress the same. They dress like weird, like 90s blues brothers, which I always appreciated. Okay. Yeah, so, that's sure. There's certain oh. things. There's certain, I, you, Feldman's really weird. And then you go back, like Meatballs 4, dude, horrible movie. I love Doing it. The, him dancing like Michael Jackson saves that movie. And at the end, he goes, he, he, he's like, he has some line about, he, he fucking like, he walks on frame and he knows everybody's judging him in the audience for being in a meatballs movie. So he just goes, I was in the Goonies and that's how they actually end the movie. It's like madness. <laughs> that's how, that's like when, when you end your movie that way, you, it, that means you don't care about the movie. Like you're not taking anything seriously at all. No, no, I, I completely agree. That was, that was, mm. And this is another great shot of the four yeah. kids just walking off. There's a lot of these shots where it's just the four kids and they're either coming towards you or going away. And it, it just really emphasizes the bond that these four kids have. You know, and, and you look at a shot like that and you think it's an easy bag. Like you think like, oh, it's just the camera's just sitting still and they're just walking away. But... There's, there's, there's really is like a, a depth of field challenge yeah. to making that work to where they don't wash out to there. They don't. So like even a static shot like that isn't the easiest thing to pull off under the sun. Yeah. You know, I bet every shot symbolic in this too. Like that's them leaving their innocence behind type vibe. I know that Reiner says this is his best movie ever made. He, he, he you know, he gives this one the title of out of all of them. I think it's uh, a perfect movie. I it think really it's is, a perfect yeah. movie. I personally have to say, I think his best movie is Princess Bride, but but I I, I love that. You got to talk to the big man about that. Yeah, I got I got to side with Hawk on that one. I think the Princess Bride is better than Stand by Me, but I think that's more about what the Princess Bride is versus what Stand by Me right. is, rather than quality of film. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's all great quality. It's it's just I mean, it's different genres and and. And it, it elicits different responses. And I mean, Princess Bride, that, that cast, uh, every, every, every bit of it is just comedy fucking gold. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Wallace Shawn, even Andre the Giant, Mandy Patinkin, all of them. All of them. The whole cast is just fucking brilliant. It's, it's... Originally, Andre the Giant was going to play the Jack Torrance part in The Shining, I remember. But oh, they, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. Wanted, yeah. <laughs> Is that where Kubrick was going to go with that? <laughs> no. Please, <laughs> Johnny! You know, I've seen, I, I, I've seen 2001. I would believe that. Because he's done some stupid fucking shit. <laughs> Andre couldn't fit through the doorway, so they couldn't yeah. do it, though. It was an issue with the Overlook Hotel. There know? was no, there was no axe. He was just yeah. punching the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to suplex you. Suplex. Yeah, wasn't, and there wasn't enough booze in the hotel to get him drunk. Bum. I, I, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was just Shelly Duvall wasn't down with getting her fucking oil checked by a thumb that big. That's, well, that's why. God. That's why she was so upset because she wanted Andre to play the part. And when he got dumped, she was like, "Why am I a part of this fucking movie, man?" <laughs> I was actually just talking about her slow torture on that film today. 
I, I was I, actually I was talking about that that was someone this week. You were talking to Bill. No, no, no actually, completely unrelated conversations. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, I was talking about torture um, used to advantage, uh, even though it is actually not nice to do. But I think it's terrible directing. Some, it's just some, my opinion. But I know some directors have actually gone there, and if. Either way, if if it's the performance works to their advantage, then that's great. But it's just going that way. It, it, it's a real slippery slope. I think they were I both. They were probably both at fault. Um, I, I feel I like she's think probably she was a little di- difficult. I think she yeah. might have been a little difficult. I don't think she was doing enough, and I think Stanley Kubrick was doing too much. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That could work. Yeah, I, I think. I well, think. She, I, I think she wasn't really putting her heart into it, and then Kubrick. Well, I mean, ugh. I mean. He, here, here's here's my belief: is if a a director hires someone as as uh, to play a role in his movie, okay, that it's up to you know you can coach them and all that, but if you have to like torture them or be a bully and all that to get a certain kind of response from them that you want, you did a ba- you made a mistake. You cast the wrong person in the role. Amen. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I mean the thing is I, that Shelley Duvall, I've seen her things I've liked. I think that she's okay right. in The Shining. You could have gotten anyone else, I think, to have taken that role and might have been better or might have been the same. But if he couldn't get Shelley to do what he wanted, him torturing her uh, was not the way to do it. He should mm-hmm. have said, I'm sorry, but I made a mistake. I'd have but to did he, someone else. But Diddy in the overall scheme of things, I mean, you think of that role. She was mag- That's probably the best thing she's ever done. She I think so it great. is, too. She was so magnetic. She's so great at it. She was so tortured. Uh, you know, Kubrick was diff- different with different actors, and I think it was a situation where he knew how to get what he wanted out of her, and it might have been not really dealing with her. And I think that she probably wanted more direction from an iconic, maybe more of a relationship with the director, not sexually or anything, but like more of like a working relationship with the director mm-hmm. where, and I don't think she got that when she didn't get that directorial attention, which he should have probably gave her. I think she got a little difficult, almost like for the attention type vibe. I think it was like yeah. that type deal. Both parties are kind of, but with directing, it's very, you know, it's an interesting deal. Sometimes you almost can't. Sometimes if you tell the actor why you're doing something, it'll, it won't work because you know what I mean? You got to kind of work off of the emotion in a way. Well, I mean, you look at people like Otto Preminger, um, Tony Scott in a few circumstances, they will create or, um, even Dan O'Bannon did this, but you know, he says he really wasn't first time directing. It's a process. The more you direct the you know, you learn from your mistakes. Some things you might not be that fond of. Sometimes you can elicit a response that you might want to get and go about it in a way that you might not be proud about it. Um, but it's all about the communication between the talent and the director and how well they know each other how comfortable they are with one another. And when you have to make a, create a sense of discomfort for them, then it has to be reciprocated. They have to understand it. Go ahead, James. I was just going to get a little more back on the topic. The yeah. train scene is happening, baby. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Yay! Yeah. And, and, and I gotta say, what is the uh, magnificent shot was when they come up to it, they have the shot of the four boys, but they also have the shot of how far the water is from the train tracks, which I thought was extremely well. So it, it shows you that they, we're not talking about only a few what feet off the ground. Yeah. That, so, I mean, I and, and like <laughs> this shot, which just, you know, emphasizes I'm, how far of, of a jump down. That'd be me crawling across the fucking thing. <laughs> I'm scared as hella heights, yeah. so I, I'd, I'd be in the same boat, especially when you got something that's like open, like all the pylons are open yeah. like that, and there's just a straight drop in between. I'd be like, ah. Well, very weird. Uh oh. Uh oh. I don't know what the fuck that was all about. What did I say something? Yeah, you <laughs> fucked it up, Bill. Uh, now it's uh, all right. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, now it's well, now. Any, anyway, one thing I wanted to say that I saw an interview with uh, uh, with uh, someone that uh, made a comment that in this scene that the kids were having too much fun and were like laughing that Rob Reiner actually had to like yell and scream at them to scare them to you know, give the performances that we end up getting. Now, I mean, I'm not a fan of the whole, as we said before, bullying and, and that kind of stuff for torture uh, to get a uh, a response. I mean, I can understand, you know, especially if you're dealing with kids trying to, you know, motivate them and try to tell them uh, and get through the uh, heads what you want from them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, supposedly Rob Reiner did put his foot down with the uh, with the kids on this because they were goofing up during the uh, train scene. Yeah, hmm. which is I mean I mean at that point like that's the difference between like torturing someone to get a performance and you just you're dealing with an unruly actor and you're sick yeah. of their shit. Like there's a, there to me there's a difference there. Yeah, that that's more of like. Being a principal saying, hey, you know, you have to, you know, buckle down and, and, and do the job. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, the impression I got on the whole uh, Shelley Duvall thing was that, you know, like, Kubrick was really, really hard and really nasty to her. I mean, I was on set, I can't really say, but, and and it's kind of like, especially if you're dealing with adults, I mean, it was also used on, like, Francis Ford Coppola's, um, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, where supposedly he was telling people to, like, uh, try and make Winona Ryder cry, and, like, Keanu Reeves was the only one who wasn't going to do it. Mm. I mean, it's like, actors have to find their own way of getting there, and it I don't think it's professional for the director to try to come to, like, bullying or torture techniques to get, get people if... Ye- you yeah. got to find middle ground. Yeah. You got yeah. to find middle ground. You got to work with the actor. You got to work with 
them on finding their motivation. Right. In my opinion, if you're resorting to bullying or any of this, you're not giving that actor the enough of your time that's needed for them to see what you're going for. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I remember. I remember diligence. Yeah, man. I, I remember a uh, on the set of Victoria going way back. Jess, you remember Maybe that? Yeah. Naked, and I couldn't stop giggling, and you're like... See, I was very proud of myself for that directorial choice, you know what I mean? Um, What happened is, like, uh, it was a big... It was kind of a nude scene, uh, and it was kind of, you know... Whenever there's... my first time acting, too. Yeah, first time acting. I wasn't going to go, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jess was doing her first time acting, and I think this was your first dialogue ever of all time, and I remember... You know, the wardrobe was a little light that day, so it was uh, it was kind of iffy. You know what I mean? I think it was just makeup for wardrobe that day, and well, it a lot of people. Everybody in the room had makeup for wardrobe, and I know that you know you were having a little trouble with some li- with a line, getting a line across, and like you could you were smiling. And this is a, this is advice for anybody out there that they would deal with anybody, I guess, that would be in this situation. Um, what I did is I just had her repeat the line without cutting, so she continued to do it and i realized that like when you you know when you put somebody on the spot like that they the smile goes away because eventually they're not they don't like they're the sick of it. doing it so i'm like, like now i know why you're doing this all right it was like yeah it was like a it wasn't i, I hope it wasn't like a traumatic ordeal for you but like th- that's kind of a middle ground i felt where you're not really like upsetting the actor but you're figuring out a way to kind of use the situation to get the best for the scene and I, whenever I hear something like that, I always think of that. I can That's, get down on that. Yeah. Back to no, the, I appreciate it a movie, lot, actually. Yeah. Back to the, the, the movie. Pie-eating scene. Legendary. Oh, yeah. Legendary. Yes. The best story. Who doesn't like to eat pie? Pie's good for I you. did not want to eat pie after I saw this. Absolutely not. Okay, what's everyone's there. favorite type of pie? Mixed berry, for sure. Keep it PG, Bill. Let's not hear anything wild over there. You know, (laughs) he likes the sweet pie. Pie contest. This fucking poor kid, dude. This is for body shaming. This poor kid, dude. The rest of his life, people are going. You want a fucking piece of pie? Poor David Hogan. Poor Davy Hogan. So it looks like he's wearing a pillow under his shirt. It does. For for God's sake, I hope he is, dude. So the way he felt. So wait a minute, hear. hold up. Yeah. All right, so we only got one favorite type of pie. We got mixed berry from Jesse. Let's keep it going. I, apple I, I'm, pie. I'm apple curious. Pie. Apple, apple pie for Alex. All I'll right. probably say pumpkin. Pumpkin? All right. I like pumpkin. It's a decent one. Thank you. <laughs> Coin? Boston cream pie. Uh, it. Good. Boston cream pie. All right. All right. What about you, bud? I am. I, I kind of like go right down the middle. I got two. I like. I'm, I'm either a big fan of Dutch apple, specifically oh, Dutch apple. I love, I love Dutch apple. Or uh, chocolate cream. Chocolate cream is so good. Dude. Like cream a Hershey cream pie. Mm. Yeah. No, my grandma makes one. My grandma. Well, that's why you like it so much. Yeah. No, no. It's James like grandma's pie. I don't know how. I don't know what she does about it, but it's the cocaine. Yeah. Yes, worth of cocaine. Yes, is the cocaine. Just a little pinch of maximum overdrive. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Eat it up. Oh, look Eat at that pie. Up. He's just you going know, at it. He's just got I, for that pie. Yeah. 
All I think of is pie up nostrils, and I then I wouldn't want to eat pie. That's what we <laughs> don't want to eat pie. You know, they get that hot dog eating contest. I'm surprised people don't die at that all the time, dude. Like fucking the way they woof those hot dogs down. <laughs> hand over fist, hand over fist. That's all the gore you're gonna see in the movie, right there, hanging off that kid's face. <laughs> Even though Monty Westmore did do makeup effects on this. I wonder if he's really a fluffy kid or if there is a pillow situation going on in there. It looks like a pillow. I'll, I'll, I'll bet it's five bucks on a pillow. It could be a pillow, but there's like, you know, I've met a few people that like they got some pillow stuff in their shirt and they didn't have a pillow stuff in their shirt. <laughs> it's the hey, are you talking shirt. about me again? <laughs> like, a fl- like there's a fl- weird, f- I shouldn't say weird, but there's like a, a fluffy fat and then there's like a solid fat. You know, yeah. He's got like that fluffy fat. Like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Oh, he's a, he's a <laughs> fucking. Uh, he was drinking olive oil or something weird, right? So it, no, uh, castor yeah. oil. It's castor oil. Oil. and then a raw egg. Oh, Ooh. <sighs> well, he's like Rocky. He's like the Rocky of the pie eating world. Oh man, <laughs> that within itself would now go punch a slab of beef. Nowadays, they just shoot up their school, but back in the day, they would just throw up fucking cherry pie all over you. <laughs> I like how everyone's puking up the same color of puke. Now they turn you into cherry pie. <laughs> Crazy world out there. Cherry pie. <laughs> we, we, yeah, <laughs> cherry pie, man. Billy. <laughs> oh, they, they can Uh-oh. tell something's up. It's fucking Ted Bundy. I don't know what he's doing there. <laughs> and well, Rob Reiner was like, you know, we 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 we, we need a uh, a a a horror scene in the movie. This is the horror scene. <laughs> I, oh, I no. want to see Rob Reiner doing a line reading. No, this is how you eat pie, and he actually <laughs> did it himself. Yeah. See that? That's how you eat a pie. Okay, I'm not giving you a line reading. I'm giving you a pie. Oh, oh, that is oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, oh in the mouth open. That's horrified, dude. Uh, 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 That's why that made Ted Bundy throw up. Yeah. He's all done with that. <laughs> this really is all the gore in the movie. It looks like blood, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's like that scene in a was a scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been I've seen it in a few movies, but yeah, Family Guy too did it. Now, you know, Rob Reiner agonized over the pie-eating scene because he was having trouble trying to envision what kind of uh, writer Gordy would become and uh, how that would play out as a 12-year-old. Ultimately, in in my mind, he became Stephen King, Reiner said. And Stephen King is a great storyteller, and most of the stories he tells are supernatural, and there's horror involved. He decided to go over the top with it and make it rather cartoonish, the way that it would appear in a young boy's mind. I wonder if he tied, I wonder if the blood like that was very gory for pie, you know what I mean? And even the 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 act of throwing up is pretty kind of horrific in a way. Yeah. I wonder if that played a part. Rob Reiner was probably like, Well, it's a Stephen King movie, we gotta throw in some kind of gore in there. We know we need vomit in this movie somewhere. Where can we put it? Let's put it in the pie eating contest. It'll make, <laughs> it'll make perfect sense there. And it did. Yeah. Bleeding also from all the stress. I mean, it would be completely a different movie if they started puking after seeing a dead body. Yeah. Yeah, there was no puking. They're just kind of taken back by the realities of death. Yeah. That kind of hit me hard, too. Like, it hit personal stones, you know? Mm. 
that's good I think that's why a huge reason why this movie plays so well is hit so personally. For, right? For so many different kinds of lifestyles. I'm directing Bomb, and next thing I know, I'm going to be directing fucking a romantic comedy with Tom Hanks <laughs> in a few years. As a female, you can relate to this, you think? With the, even though it's kind of a boy story? If that's it's, masterful, if, if you can. It's funny, because um, I was a very much a tomboy. Like, yeah. when I was a kid, I'd go to school, leave on my bike, and then just meet my friends in the woods at the Cranberry Box. And we do crazy shit like this all the time. Yeah. And it would get, like, pretty deep, too, because, like, my dad died when I was 11. So my friends were, like, there for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool. It's very nostalgic. It puts me back in that, like, in the old days, I guess. Yeah, I hear you on that. Sorry yeah. about that. It's okay. It's very, uh, it's good. It's a good thing. Okay. I think this film has a really good way of being nostalgic for a lot of people. Just, well, yeah. You yeah. know, from the youth perspective, I mean, in the, even at certain ages, you would hang out with kids, maybe go somewhere you're not supposed to go. I know I sure as hell did. And you see stuff like this, and it just reminds you of, shit, wow. Makes you think of just being a kid and remembering being, actually being a kid. I think this is came into even in the existence. I think it's timelessly nostalgic, though. Yeah, it's not just invocative of a specific time; it's invocative of youth. Yes, yes, I I, I, know what I mean. Completely with you on that, James. I still relate to this movie, even though it's set in 1961. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, like you say, James, that this this is nostalgic for being a kid, being you know with a group of friends, and you know getting into trouble, and especially that age, and and I think and that shows how great Rob Reiner was with this, and like I said, even as as I said before, he constantly tried to keep. He does have close-up shots, but for the most part, he tries to get as much of the kids together in every shot, because the whole purpose of this is talking about, and like at at the end of the movie, you know, it, it's it's all about, you know, I've never had friends like I had when I was twelve, right? And it's, I, I mean, and the closing part of that line, Jesus does anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I think well, that just puts a note on it, like perfect. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, when you're a kid, you have nothing but time. You know what I mean. So you run around and you play with your pals and stuff like that. As you get older, you go to work and do, you know, make films and do podcasts and all that type of stuff. So there's no time to go look at dead bodies. You got to watch them. You got to watch them on the internet. Just poke a dead body with the stick. I got to go out and wrangle dead bodies now on my own time. <laughs> Billy and I will just make our own dead bodies. Ooh. I think we should actually collaborate on a corpse. Can we please? That'd be fucking sick. Come to me and let's actually make my turn my skeleton into an actual rotting corpse and we can just poke sticks at it. Pinky promise? And I'm picky promising. Touch that. the fucking camera guy. There we go. <laughs> Thank the, you. The dedication that all Billy's significant others have had that conversation. When they're, <laughs> when they're truly in love, they say, come make me a fucking corpse, baby. Oh, Maybe God. <laughs> No one can deal with the wrath of the coin. We're, well, We're all going to have the coin. Soon. The wrath of the coin? Yeah. Yo, they should say that on the back of your shirt. <laughs> the one that I'm making? The wraith of the coin. Yeah, it's the wraith of the coin. <laughs> tell you, Jerry O'Connell's very annoying in this. 
Yes, he is. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, you've got to give love to the fat boy. Hey. He just put it on for the movie. <laughs> no, I feel like Ver- he plays Vern's character perfectly, but Vern's character is a moron. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, nothing against the actor. Um, but, yeah, the character, very annoying character. Even the Ben kit, Ben character in It, who's kind of the same exact thing. Like, he's, he don't even come off that annoying, you know what I mean? He, he, the, those, mm-hmm. those personalities are a little more, I don't know if I'd say more realer. They're both, they're all pretty real, both the It kids and these kids. Keeping it real. Keeps it real, yo. Vern is like, I feel like everybody's had a Vern mm-hmm. in their in their lives. Yes. Whether an adult or a child. Everyone's had a Vern. Yeah. An I affable, am affable well-meaning of- moron. <laughs> Being attacked by boxes over here, don't mind me. I don't think I don't think Dead Kids actually has a Vern. I think I think we have a Matt Fisher, which is a Chris Ooh. Chambers. Uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely Denny. Jesse, more than likely out of all of us, is pr- like you two are definitely also Denny's. You and uh, Alex. Boy, <laughs> you are absolutely I, his name slipped in my mind for some fucking reason. But you're Feldman, <laughs> without a doubt. I'm the, you're Eddie DeChance. That's yeah. his name. Sorry. You put me on cloud nine for some crazy reason. I'm Feldman. <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, you would be the one that would fight, try and fight a train. Yes, no that's required. true. I would get stoned enough, and I'd be screaming at it. <laughs> we I all just tackle you to the ground. Yeah, I can see that, actually. Then I'm drunk drunk, naked and crying under the bridge, holding a puppet master toy and a bottle in the other hand. Well, I've been there. You're not special. I've been there. It's fine. (laughs) You're not special. You're not special. (laughs) That's why I love you guys. There you go. Love you too, though. (laughs) Can't do it. The filming of Barfarama. A kid threw up for real, I guess, in the scene. Wouldn't you? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Oh, he was really eating those pies? Ew, he really ate that egg? Oh, probably, yeah. I mean, you can't really fake it. There's no CG there, sweetie. I mean, you saw him swallow it. It is 1985. Yeah. You wanted the roll, kid. Eat this egg. And and that time, you know, they were making, you know, kids eat worse things. Talk about how awesome books are. Who you can hear it? all about Corey Feldman tell you about all about know. how that went down for fifty bucks. Yes, get money off your trauma. No, no, trauma. he's not even trying to. I was about to say he's not even trying to get money off of his trauma. He's trying to get money <laughs> off of his dead friend's trauma. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, I have opinions about the guy. <laughs> yeah, he has his moments. <laughs> Castle Rock became the production company name of Rob Reiner. So it definitely had an impact. It wasn't his first film. Very nice. Was this Academy Award nominated? It had to have been. I think it was somewhere. Unless they were hating on King. That's the reason why I can see it not being nominated. I don't think the kid, I don't think the, I don't think the actors got noms, but I'm pretty sure it had a best picture nomination. 
Don't worry. I don't think it was a winner, but I think it got nominated. Back in the day, like, if you if you just came on the scene and it was your first film and you made, like, Citizen Kane, they they still wouldn't give you, like, they'd nominate you, but they wouldn't give you the award because they wanted you to earn it, so to speak, over years and different projects. You nowadays, have the tenure. Yeah, nowadays, like, you can make your first fucking movie uh, and win an Academy Award. It's very interesting. I call it the Ari Aster effect. <laughs> I know you hate Ari Aster, but I, I, I like him. He's got, he's, there's worse people out there than Ari. You know? You're right, Darren Aronofsky. Absolutely worse than Ari Aster. <laughs> I like Darren. Ouch, ouch. I'm one of the only people that like that mother movie. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're probably the one person on planet Earth who like mother. I hope he's listening, though. Maybe one day. Yeah, screenplay. Huh? Honestly, I hope Aronofsky movie. and Aster are both listening. Me and you, both of you, same time, behind Chili's Midnight. Let's fucking go. I got issues. Well, I know you can't see it, but James is, uh, you know, flicking the fork around. So James is going to literally fork you guys to death. Okay. Boom. <laughs> I'm going to eat you like I'm eating this fucking steak. Heck yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Academy, the Golden Globes, and um, uh, yeah, the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay, and two Golden Globe nods for Best Drama, and one for uh, Reiner. Okay, there you I mean, go. I, I, I I knew it had to had some accolades because I mean, this movie was just, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Movie. It's a great fucking movie. It is. Reiner was against uh, against smoking to the point where the cigarettes that they smoke in the film were made from lettuce leaves. I was going to ask, like, what they were smoking. Right. That's pretty cool. Most of the time, back in the day, even now, you know, they don't even let you smoke in fucking movies anymore. No, but, they're uh, the fake ones. Morley's. Morley became the brand that was smoked. It was not even a real cigarette brand. And it was probably made most famous on the X Files, considering this, the quote unquote the cancer man they called him. Yeah, there's more yeah. like smoking man. There's a whole prop industry on yeah. non copywritten movie props like cigarettes, I'm, I'm bottles of booze. Yeah. Like you know, it's a whole there's a whole rabbit hole for it. Like. I had to go down that rabbit hole in the box because I had to find a fucking beer can that I could get away with filming that wouldn't get me sued. <laughs> I always thought Playpen Magazine was a real magazine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where can I get an issue? Hell yeah. Supposedly Feldman and Reiner, uh, they tested 30 different laughing styles for his character. Wow. Thirty different laughing styles. Yeah, like how he was gonna laugh in the film. I wonder what was the worst one. The one they chose. <laughs> um, no, I like his laugh in this. It's like uh, it's a nerd laugh almost, if I remember correctly. Uh, Playing billiards. <laughs> well, I mean, he's kind of like a dorky little kid. Yeah. He plays out like he's a badass, but when it comes down to it, he's kind of not. He's just. Yeah. Nuts. I think he's that, he's that kid that everybody kind of knew in life that, you know, put out that big tough guy front and then like seeing them have to live fucking live that tough guy thing for a little bit and realize that that's not the case. 
Most of the time, in my in my experience, I've seen those kids, and I've been like, "You're gonna die young." Yeah. Forever young. Okay, Rod Stewart. <laughs> Originally, very badass Kiefer Sutherland. Yes, sir. Looking cool. Yeah. Too cool for school. There's just an inherent coolness. He's too cool, anyways. He's the man, dude. His friend there pop used to pop up in a lot of stuff too. Yeah, eyeball. He was yeah, in, yeah, he was in class and he, he started in class in ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. You called that earlier. Yeah. The greaser got the outsider look going. Very I nice. think the outsiders was a huge influence on this. Yeah, and the wardrobe department particularly. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Did you read? Uh, did you read the book, dude? What outsiders? outsiders? Oh yeah. That something Sinclair, something like that. I never yeah. read the book. One of those no. books I had to read, but I remember a fucking thing because I didn't want to read it. You were like forced to read it. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those books. Yeah, Coppola did the movie of that. I think. I guess he had a man-made swamp for this movie. Oh really? Yeah, and, like, it was more disgusting by the time they filmed it, because they made it at the beginning of the film, and then when they started to do it, like, six weeks later, I guess it was, like, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we're talking about the, the, the relationship between director and actor, uh, in this one, River Phoenix had an emotional scene around the fire, and uh, Rob Reiner told him, you know, to pay, he, he was having trouble getting it out appropriately, and Rob Reiner told him to kind of take something from his life, and I guess he did, and, like, he was, like, uncontrollably crying, and, like, after the scene, he had to be comforted. Yeah, he, like, made him, like, hug him and stuff to make him feel better. Well, I think they should, like, not, we won't, Definitely. I won't, I won't go into that, too, back into that, but if you're gonna bring an actor to, emo- like, real emotion, and they, and they can't kind of wrap it up themselves after the scene, you need to help them put it back mm-hmm. in the cage. That's sure. just pure humanity right there, like. Right. Yeah, I think those, I think those older directors, though, they're like how the old, old, old guys don't like to show emotion and stuff, so I think they were more that way, so it's kind of like, oh, well, I seen that I, I brought it out of you, but, like, I don't want to deal with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's one of those things. Well, I mean, well, especially if if you're dealing with uh, kids, child actors, I mean, if if you go to the point of pushing them to a point of being vulnerable, it, it they're not at a certain maturity where it's easy for them to just close it off. So, I mean, I mean, the way I see it is if a director is working with children and he has to push them to that level, he should know that it's also his responsibility to try to help them out of it if they can't just simply get out of it. It's not always easy for people. Right. I think there's a level of discipline that those old directors had where it was a little too much, where, where it was about getting the work done. Right. Like they weren't there to make friends. Right. You know what I mean? They were there to make make a, a picture. They were, they were there to make a picture. And unfortunately, in our business, I think we've learned along the way as film I consider to be the most evolving art out of all of them, I think we've learned along the way that you can't just unbutton all of these emotions, get it on camera, and then say, all right, let's wrap, lunchtime. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially if someone's having a hard time 
with it after the after the fact. Yeah. If you let Pandora out of the box, you can't just Ew. pack it back up. Oh, the leeches! Ooh, the leeches! Back up. This, yeah, the leech um, scene was ba- this was based leech. off of an actual Stephen King childhood. Yeah, movie. the leech scene. Oh, is wow. Personally, the most unsettling thing about. This. I, no, I don't have one. It still hurt. Yeah. I I remember seeing this the first time, and I have Bobby to leech. say, I was like so like sickened and 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 like freaked out watching this scene because I was like, oh my god, it, I just felt so uncomfortable. Watching mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah. My fucked up and warped head. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind was basically the first puppet master with Leech Woman. Oh, God. Regurgitating oh, all those, God. you know, leeches all over the cop from uh, Child's Play, too. Probably. Nope. Nope. Definitely puppet master wins in the disturbing leech scenes, but this is like a close second. Oh, yeah. No, easy. I mean, to me, there's some. Yeah. I mean, parasites are gross, and some people are fascinated by them. I mean, they've made movies, basically, parasites, you know, whether it's Parasite itself or Slither or, you know, even Basket Case, I think, could also follow under the whole, you know, parasitic twin. I mean, it's whatever. I mean, I'm making it more into anything else. It's not a subgenre. It's just leeches are fucking gross. Mm -hmm. They're very useful, though. Oh, they are. I mean, especially... So but, fucking gross. Well, yeah, no, but they serve medical purposes, you know. I, I mean, you know, but the, the tech, we're techno, a point in technology, but we we don't need them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's but not exactly fourteen seventy four in England. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you, in Africa, in certain places, you know, they, they might they're still using them, and that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. they serve a great purpose. Yeah, they don't have hospitals. That's why they're using them. Yeah. Oh, he needs a transfusion. Put a leech on him. Exactly. You put maggots on him like uh, Gladiator. Oh, yeah, and eat the infection. You gotta eat the infection, though. The maggots eat gotta. The well, I mean, you can also put, like, some barbecue sauce, some ketchup, you know, and eat it yourself. I mean, People you can also do, do that. People eat maggots. They do. They eat any of the fucking pro- high protein, supposedly. <laughs> but, hey, eat the maggots after they eat uh, the, uh, the, uh, the infected. The infection? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, them up. Well, they have that maggot cheese. It's the most expensive, and I guess it could oh, kill you too. I seen that. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah, right. Ooh. It better taste incredible. I don't know why <laughs> you would fucking eat maggot cheese. It would have to be like fucking better than heroin. I never heard of it. So that's where I'm drawing the line. No to maggot cheese. Yeah. Is there any fun facts about this scene right here? They're driving in two cars, drinking and driving. This is a whole different time, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Playing, playing the little chicken. Drinking little the chicken. apple juice. Probably got that apple juice going. Like the Jeepers Creepers fucking truck is in the movie for some reason. <laughs> it's such a good truck, right? I don't know about that. Look at that thing. Fell apart by turning. <laughs> they had quality trucks. They're going to drive into a big dung fucking truck. Next thing you know, now. Drake and Sawyer passes them. Mm-hmm. Wrong state. <laughs> I wonder if this was all done in like a hundred foot stretch of track, or if this was, you know what I mean. Like I like, I feel like they just shot in the same, you know. Realistically, if, as far as getting locations wise, it would be easier for you just to get like, you know, 
500 feet or them give you fucking like a town's worth of track and just kind of do everything right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it was all shot in the same stretch, but this specific where it's just like woods on either side. Yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't you use the same stretch? You know, I wonder if there's a you know, less somebody, resetting. Yeah, some film. You know, some films become so big, and I I would say that Stand by Me is probably in this category where they like make festivals around the film. So I wonder if there's any like um, like tracks, like a group of people walk the distance that they supposedly walk type deal. You know what I mean? On those yeah. tracks, on those very tracks. You want to see that body? They found the body. They found the body. There's actually a body they found. Where's that body? Where's that spoof come from? Is that don't be a medicine South Central? One drinking a juice in the hood where the kids like you want to see a dead body? Yes. Yeah. Classic. Ripping on boys in the hood. We have a problem. (laughs) Boom. Now that's fucked up because it's not quite, it's not too gory to be fake. It almost looks real. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Just discolored skin, like little wounds. And he was a kid that went missing, right? For a while. And then and they, they got, knew the kid, right? They were looking for him. Like he's being looked for while they found him type deal. If I remember. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of a, a true crime thing that happened. I think it was like in the eighties yeah. and this kid, um, he found like this this car and this guy was like in his trunk and when he peered into the trunk he saw two girls a, a woman who was like in her 30s and her daughter for like 8 years old and the guy fucking kidnapped him and threw him in the woods to be like found like and he wasn't found for like months but he was like very small town like this and they said like everyone was looking for him it was just very similar in a so way so there was there was a kid that kidnapped a girl and a lady he killed. He killed them. And put it and left them in a car in the woods. They or? were alive at that time, and was then he like dead? he killed the little kid that saw them in the trunk and just left him in the woods. Ugh. Yeah. Humanity can be beautiful, eh? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked up. But the dude who kid the dude that did the killing, they found him dead too, or no? He was alive. He ended up getting arrested, and um, he was oh, just geez. obsessed with the mother, the thirty year old. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, and he tried to attack her in court, and she had like this huge scar on her face. But she ended up living like she lives a great life, I guess. <laughs> great as she can, I guess, after a situation. Yeah, like that. she feels stronger. That's what she says, and I think it's well, like you find that in general. Well, when you get when you get pushed to the, the end, you're str- when you fight back from the edge, it's, you get really strong. Yeah. You know, I'll do this fucking emotional breakdown. Willie Wheaton, he couldn't handle the dead body. It was too much for his soul. Mm-hmm. He's only seen it on Rotten.com. But when he seen <laughs> it, when he seen it in real life, it was too much for him. Oh, little Rotten.com. I they mean, that down, man. Unfortunately, it's no longer in existence. This right? is a this is a part of the film that lay. Like, they don't. It's all underlying. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, but these kids have, like, real issues that mm. they can only go to each other for. Yeah. Like, Chris Chambers, like, he didn't steal that money. He just got accused of it because he's a, he's a Chambers. And that bugs him. Yeah. Teddy's got his dad issues. Gordy's parents don't even give a shit about him because his brother died. Like, oh, there's some, like, real, like... Hard-hitting stuff. Like, your your friends are really the only people you can go to with heavy shit like that. 
at that time in your life. You know, this the the brother the loss of the brother is also a similarity with it that I didn't really put together until right now. Yeah. And it's the other way around. Georgie and uh and Denny, yeah. One balloon Georgie. But it's the but it's the other way around. Now it's the older brother dies and it's the younger brothers left picking up the pieces. Yeah, no, this is a very King story. Even though it's not horror, it's a very... It's still got all those things that usually King... Trade, yeah, trade it's realistic. Yeah. There definitely are trademarks of King, but, you know, it's definitely more real world, I guess, than more of the fantasy elements that, you know... And that, that's fine, because, you know, I mean, I think that's what makes, you know, King also just a good writer, you know, because... Well, understands how to round everything out sometimes, but it really all depends on the story and how it's dictated and what it's trying to say. I mean, you know, we can write pretty much any genre. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing with King is that while he does deal with horror, it's, it's 99% of all his film stories have one thing in common. It's all psychological. Even Shawshank, stand by me. You know, all these is about these people dealing with psychological issues and people dealing with being people. And and the horror elements come out, even though he brings in the supernatural elements and all that, it's it's what, you know, the driving force is, is the people and how people react to these situations. You know... Like James said in the beginning, I was originally based off a story called The Body. They changed the name because the name sounded like a sex film or a bodybuilding film. <laughs> like yeah. a typical Stephen King horror movie. So that's why they went see the, new, the new Pumping Iron movie. That's why they went with Stand By Me, you know, over the famous song. And they were originally, Michael Jackson was originally going to do a cover of Stand By Me for this, and then they opted out and went with the original because Rob Reiner thought it fit better, and of course, he's 100, 100% correct. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with that. I think and that would have been a mistake. I would have fucking ruined it. That oh. It would have... Little things like that just can fucking destroy a movie. Mm-hmm. And, th- and this right now has the best line ever in the movie. He goes, you, you know what a 45 does to Keith Sutherland's face? It's <laughs> a pot, though. No, no, no. No, he's like, well, what, you're going to kill all of us? No, <laughs> I just have to kill you. And he's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the hardest part of it. It's like, and oh, that man. is by far the most badass line ever in a film. Of course, totally he doesn't great. shoot him. Yeah. Imagine if he did. Plot twist. Poof. Yeah. Where did he get the gun, though? I've completely missed oh, that part. Oh, um, yeah, they, they, they've had it from the very beginning. There was a section where they were, you know, playing with it. And then, of course, they fired and, and you know, realized that it actually does have bullets in it. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, I remember that part. Okay, never mind. It's so badass, though. Yeah, like, you would never think he would just pull out a gun and be like, hey, I'm going to stand up for everyone. Yeah. Oh, coming of age. <laughs> I'd have to pay for that eventually. It was the story. You'd imagine. You'd imagine that at some point, Gordy would get his. They'd, they'd, they'd want. Re- he just made him look like shit in front of all of his friends, and that's like everything to them. So that kid, that that older dude, would have fucking ran him off, ran him over on the street or something. Eventually, like <laughs> something hard to the core. Yeah, he did it. 
You did it, Gordy. I love how the father figure Chris is in this movie. Even though he has, like, a last name that's bad. It doesn't even matter, because, like, that's not who he is. Well, having the, the bad family around him probably made him have to grow up pretty quick. So I think that he probably has a way different outlook on life than everybody else. Yeah. That will definitely do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no doubts. No doubts on that one. Yeah, I gotta say it's it's yeah. it's a great, great. You know, I mean, as 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 Stephen King story goes, it is the most feel-good Stephen King uh, movie adaptation there is. I can't think of anything any other that fits fits that mold. Mm-hmm. Has the girl who loved Tom Gordon been adapted into anything yet? I think maybe talks of TV, but I don't think it, anything, nothing ever happened with I, Romero. I believe actually before Romero died, I want to say I heard r- r- rumor he was gonna dive into that, but I could be wrong. That was like one of the first like King books when I really, I really like actually completed. And I actually I, I liked it. You know. Yeah. Then go back and. That's a later one, isn't it? Like huh? the last 15 years? Isn't that like from in the last 15? Yeah, it was about 15, years 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, what can you do? You got the pistol. Uh, nowadays, they would have shot that dead body just to see what it felt like to shoot something. <clears throat> They're respectful. No one have done worse things with the body. I think I think the thing about this movie too is like yeah. it's showing right here, like this last shot where everybody's fading away and all that stuff. It's Ooh. showing like you have those friends when you're when you're twelve, thirteen. You're gonna lose those friends along the way, but you're absolutely never gonna fucking forget about them. Yeah. This really is like the best ending for this movie. How they kind of the, it slowly disbands and they walk off. It's kind. It's like it's touching. I mean, just the visual of it's pretty touching. And then mm-hmm. it goes into you know the where they are now type vibe. Yeah. Dark. Only, only like only like the dark version, not the fast time at Ridgemont High. Version. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I remember when they heard that when I heard the dude that fucking river phoenix is spoiler alert river phoenix's character gets like stabbed dies by getting stabbed trying to break up a fight or something like that yeah and it was like oh i remember being a kid just being like torn up by that like oh no dude yeah it's fucking it's heart-wrenching it's sad man i get goosebumps just thinking about it coming right now that's how fucking effective it is yeah yeah mm-hmm. what you say yeah. giddy it's nice time to get a haircut <laughs> oh, kitty word. Kitty caboodle. Yeah. And then Richard Dreyfus is the only one left behind <laughs> to write the book. Richard <laughs> Dreyfus. At least he ended up being a writer. Mm. Yeah. Could have went better. A writer writes. <laughs> It'd be funny if, like, at the end of it, he <laughs> found out he's an unsuccessful writer and, like, he, he starves to death after writing. <laughs> No, no, no. He has to eat his children. You find out he's actually in class with uh, Billy Crystal from uh, from from the train. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All that. All that goes down. You find out he goes the Van Gogh route. He like cuts his finger off, gives it to a hooker. Like (laughs) this is my payment, sir. Hey, I told you I I I I finger you. (laughs) 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I had to throw one in. Oh, I'm giving you points, you madman. I don't want to, but I have to. <laughs> you dirty son of a bitch. Yes, I am. You and are I'm sorry. Dirty, I know this. I know, I know Stand By Me is like a PG, of, but that's that's the only uh, b- bad perverted joke. So that's, that's it. Cool. There it is. The big farewell. The wave. Yeah, River Phoenix would have fucking River Phoenix would gigantic. have. Dude, he would have had such yeah. a fucking career. It's ridiculous. He would have been directing by now. He would have been. Producing, I mean, he really would have produced, yeah, but direct. I think he probably would have been a good director too. I bet he would have probably done some good films. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say? I mean, maybe he never would have got cleaned up and just would have been like a fucking drug addict for how he could have, you know what I mean? Um, but I think he definitely, uh, it's, uh, it's very sad that, and he was the fr- I think he was the first, <clears throat> first in his family. I think he was first generation. I know that like Hakeem Phoenix, or I say that wrong, right, Huck? What is it, Joaquin? Oh, yeah, Joaquin. 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 Yeah. Like, that's his younger brother. He was there when he died. Um, oh, yeah, that is. Oh, I forgot they're related. Yeah, so, like, it's a weird, you know, uh, the whole thing's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I kind of see that now, like, the sadness, but like the Joker. Well, he yeah, yeah, did a brilliant job. That was a character. That was so different. Todd Phillips, I think, is a very good director. One of the best of right now, yeah. um, It was really a character study. I mean, it was looking at the character in a completely different light. It was looking at the set, you know. I mean, I don't know. It's just the character has so many different meanings. I'm so glad that they stomped out the whole anarchy thing because they were almost going to try and make uh, the joke of the symbol of actual anarchy, but I don't know. Supposedly, he really he wanted to make Taxi Driver instead of remaking Taxi Driver. He did that. That was yeah. the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. So it has that feel to it completely. That's why it has. And it's, it's it's all Scorsese's New York, really. Like when you watch it, it's very Scorsese's New York, like the New York that it's set in <clears throat> or Gotham, wherever the fuck they. You can even keep it as like, Gotham. Is it even Gotham in the Joker movie? Yeah, it's Gotham. It is. I would say. Yeah, you can almost buy like uh, Joe Zeno. From maniacs, oh. like walking down those streets too, considering how grungy New York, you know, how yeah. we made that movie look. It was New York in the seventies. Yeah, it was like that. I don't know. I mean, it was just like a weird, dirty, magical time, you know, for filmmaking. Forty Forty Second Street wasn't cleaned up yet. No, that's what I'm saying. Before <laughs> Before Forty uh, Second and Broadway and Times Square, before that wasn't the porn capital of the state. Yeah, and they Disneyized it, the shit out. Yeah, of it. yeah okay. exactly. Joker is taxi driver and king of New York with with the name the Joker over it. That's basically. what the Joker is. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Scorsese films, which I applaud. I like. I can't. I don't think they should do a second Joker movie. I think there's too much at stake to kind of ruin what they already built. Well, they were uh, thinking of doing a standalone. The same people because of the success of the Joker doing a standalone Two Face movie. And they thought about that, and they thought about that for like two seconds. But they, went ahead and they already went ahead and greenlit Joker 2. Yeah. It, you know, because of Phoenix, Phoenix is a huge, like, with that, because he's psycho to begin with. And I appreciate him. But if he was any other actor. Oh, he's nuttier worked, than a bag of cats. He's, yeah, and, <laughs> he's way out there. Any other actor, I don't think that would have worked. Uh, so I'm very, you know, if they're going to do a Two Face, I'd be very curious to see who's playing Two Face. I feel like Tom Hardy or somebody like. 
The thing that alarms me so much about the Joker sequel is Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. I think that's really what? <laughs> horrible. Yeah. No, I should be Harley Quinn. And, and they're doing this. Hey, too. hey, listen, I should be Harley Quinn over Lady Gaga. Two things. Yes. I've got two things to say about th- this casting. One, yeah. we don't need another Harley Quinn right now. No. Margot Robbie just did a really great job, even in some shitty films. Right. We don't need another Harley Quinn right now. Yeah. Two, we absolutely do not need to give the Lady Gaga continued idea that she's an actress. <laughs> okay, she's a fan- phenomenal performer, great singer. Not my cup of tea when her musically, but I can respect it. She cannot act her way out of a wet paper bag. Agreed. And they should stop encouraging her to do it. I actually yeah. heard she did a decent job of that American Horror Story thing. She I, thought she, ter- American Horror I Story, thought she was terrible. Really? She was more of herself in American Horror Story. Oh, she was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I watched up until Freak Show. I love Freak Show. Then it just kind of fell off the trails. Yeah, same here. Even that A Star Is Born, which is probably arguably her biggest thing, she really just plays herself in it. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, and that's not bad as an actor, but there comes the time where you kind of have to act, you know. There's that's, but that's my point. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was bored earlier this week, and I watched House of Gucci because why not? Yeah. Well, it wasn't bad. Don't be ashamed. I would have watched that if it came across my plate. I'd watch it too, bro. Yeah, I heard, I heard, I heard great reviews. I heard it was Girl, funny. Yeah, whatever. Wasn't it like kind of gory too? Like there was like some scenes. No, no. No, it was it was a it w- it was a interesting snapshot of time because it's the end of the Gucci family, not the beginning. Oh, okay, it's not, okay. It's not how Gucci got started; it's how they lost control of their company and are now just like a corporate conglomerate. Um, she was she was passable. She was all right. Her Italian accent needed work. If you want me to be honest, yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, but I, a character. <laughs> But a real character like Harley Quinn? No, no. <laughs> like she doesn't have the chops for that. No, not at all. <laughs> and Harley Quinn has to be psychotic. <laughs> Harley Quinn is such an interesting character because you look at the dames of the twenties and thirties in Hollywood, kind of having that bubbliness and you know, vod, vod, total vodka. And I love that was really Baldini who basically created Harley Quinn, he was probably laughing all the way to the bank, considering, yeah. you know, how the, the longevity of that character. But so many iterations. Well, we don't need another one right now. We don't yeah, have, we don't. It's the attractive crazy girl. <laughs> it's going to sell. It's going to sell, you know what I mean? I love how the end credit hey, hey, was all hard. All, all guys love the, uh, the, the attractive crazy girl. Right. <laughs> Right up to the point she stabs you, and then you still love her. Uh, sometimes even yeah. after they stab you, you kind of forgive it. But that's just my yeah. personal. It depends on how good the poon is, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get Maybe it. After you stab me, and put things in perspective. I'm not leaving. Yeah. Well, it's like you stab me, I stab you. It's fine. Exactly. It's, like, yeah. it's a good relationship. It's a mutual stab and collaboration. Like yeah. exactly, I stab like, you with a knife. You stab me with the peen. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> hey. See? No, but but I mean, like, like you know, like she may stick a fork, steak knife in your thigh, but like she can suck a golf ball through a garden hose. So it's like, it's a win-win. There's a trade. There's a trade. <laughs> and this is why I love you guys. This is why I love you guys. <laughs> you can you can let some things go. You can forget. You know. Yeah. 
Forgive, forgive. In the heat of the moment, it's always forgivable. Yeah. Like ass to mouth. I guess. As long as, yeah, yeah why not? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Foop it. Yeah. Nice Clerks reference in there. Clerks too. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Hey, I'm have negative. you guys seen uh, Close 3, the trailer that came out? Oh, yeah. No, oh. I haven't. I love I, the oh, use really. of Lit. I love that. I've always loved that fucking song. I think it's a very funny trailer. What yeah, song? it looks good. Lit? Hmm? What, my own personal Lit. enemy? The song, I'm I sorry about, the, the sorry about the things to say when I was drunk. Yeah, yeah, my own worst enemy. Personal enemy there, the only song they ever succeeded with. Yeah. yeah. It was a great name for a band. That's there was one thing second, I think they had a... There was a second hit on that album, I think. Yeah, there was. Hold on, I'm going to find it. Was, was that the one where they did the music video on Pamela Anderson's ass? And she's in a fucking bowl of cereal or something. Oh, weird. yeah, 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 yeah. All something right. weird. I, I own that album, A Place in the Sun. Oh, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Thursday recently. I've been listening to a lot of 90s. That's a good band. Thursday. Yeah, I've been yeah. listening to them a lot. Right I guess there's touring again, I just heard. Oh, miserable. Yeah. You make me come completely yes. miserable. That's yes. what it is. Yeah. That's right up there with fucking hot in a blender. Beautiful oblivion. Woo! Yes! Oh my <laughs> god. Through with you. Why why? <laughs> What happened on this podcast to where we ended up talking about mediocre nineties bands? This was Alex. <laughs> hey, hey, hey I, 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 it's not me. I, I'm, I'm innocent in this. Yeah. So uh, I, how do you? the fit as he. Uh, I bleed the fit. Uh huh. So stand by me, yo. Stand by me. So, so I mean, overall, I, I have to say that up to this point, I would say, I mean, you can. Uh, we can argue about this, but Stand By Me, I think, is probably the, uh, the best adaptation. I'm saying adaptation of a Stephen uh, King uh, uh, work Sorry. to film. Mm-hmm. At, yeah, because we can argue with The Shining that the adaptation is not like the book. Oh, okay. I think not, The Shining not, is a better film. But. Yeah, not not taking anything away from Stanley Kubrick, but I think overall at this point, Stand by Me is the gold standard of adaptation. And I don't think it gets any better. It's I don't the most think mainstream. I don't think, yeah, it's the most mainstream. But I don't think, as far as like faithful adapt ad, ad, adaptation work goes, yeah. I don't think it gets much better than this. Yeah, um, this is honestly a perfect movie. It really is. It's a perfect fucking movie. Like, every actor, there isn't a bad thing about it. It's just, it is masterclass filmmaking. It may not be horror, it may be outside of our usual fare, if you will, Mm. but, oh, God, it's just, it is, it's just a perfect film. I mean, a lot of us are similar in age and bracket, and I think a lot of us saw this movie when we were probably a young age yeah. and it definitely I think burned a, into the minds of a generation of kids that just grew up on this movie and it just it's, it's the memories of being a kid that has a lot to do with it that's definitely because mm-hmm. I know uh, Jesse you're the baby amongst all of us uh, veterans here it's alright no I just love this movie so much like I said before it like hits me in a lot of different ways 
And it's just nice to resonate with it. And it's just really a good movie. <laughs> Plus the soundtrack's pretty bomb. Oh, happy to When you got the money, you get the best soundtracks. Exactly. Did everybody give their opinion on Stand By Me? Um, Except you, Matt. Worst movie ever. (laughs) I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I think, you know, I think it's a masterpiece. I'm with you guys. You guys think it's, if you were to do like a defining Stephen King movie, maybe quite, not quite the best. Because this is like, if you were to crown the best Stephen King movie, I feel like you'd probably have to dip into the horror just because of the overall balance of things. But, you know. I think, I think I you're know. right, Matt. I think you're right, Matt. Like, I, I don't want to say that this, the Green Mile, Shawshank, are disqualified because they're not his usual fare, but it's the truth. Yeah. They're not his usual fare. So I would definitely say that the crown would have to go to a horror movie. Um, only because that's where he works so much of his magic is in horror. Um, and it only feels kind of fitting. And I do think that while best adaptation, I agree with Alex, I do not think this is the best Stephen King film. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. I assume I'm over a drive. <laughs> what do you... Amaze! Amaze worth of cocaine! I don't know. <laughs> no. Great film, but no. <laughs> of the, of the, the dramatic, those three dramatic films, you think it's the best of the three dramatic? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I got issues with Green Mile, and I got a lot of issues with Shawshank Redemption, if I'm being honest. But this one, perfect. The pacing's perfect. Yeah. The acting's perfect. The fucking visuals are perfect. The sound is perfect. The soundtrack's perfect. The it is, everything. Yeah. It is literally a perfect film. Everything hits. Yeah. Not they're not one miss. Whereas Green Mile, eh. Shawshank, yeah. I got a lot of things with Shawshank I don't like. Mainly Tim Robbins, man. I can't do Tim Robbins. Yeah, I got a hard time with Tim Robbins too. Like I don't like Jacob's Ladder, and I'm like probably hard in the minority of that. But it's because of Tim Robbins. It's because of Tim Robbins. Yeah. Uh, you guys don't like Timmy Boy? No, really don't. Not I don't. Really I I I think he overacts everything. It's true. Well, I mean Shawshank, he underacts. I, what is he though? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's that's his best thing of all time. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's his best thing of all time. But that doesn't mean that he. That's still that's still a low bar, in my opinion. <laughs> I guess he could even put misery Bill Pullman in that role. Huh? Who? I wanted to see Bill Pullman in that role. Uh, dude, Bill Pullman's another dude I I don't like doing too often. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You have, to, you have to understand, Matt doesn't like a lot of people. There's certain people I got issue with that I try not to support them in any way. Uh, Bill Pullman, I liked him in Independence Day. Uh, I enjoyed that first Grudge remake, and I and and I, I questioned that he almost he almost made me not, but they killed him pretty quick. And then, um, what is it, Lost Highway, which he's the star of, yeah. is actually really good. The the Lynch movie. And which I give all credit to Lynch because fuck it. He got something out of Bill Pullman that Bill Pullman didn't even know he had in his his arsenal. I can appreciate Bill Pullman. God damn it, I'm gonna make you act. Because he's so different, but because he, he he's he's one of those actors that like he's everything and everything he ever does, he kind of plays the same thing, but like he has that weird that, the character that Bill Pullman is, you know what I mean? 
like yeah. that he knows he's selling to, for these roles. It's, all, <laughs> it, it, it's weird. It's quirky. It's not quite like um, I wouldn't put quirky, him in a quirkiness perfect. of Cage, like a Nicholas Cage. I want to put him there, but like there is a weird, very light quirkiness. I can't really think of anybody to kind of compare him to. But um, yeah, Bill Pullman just never really did it for me. I, I just, I just have a hard time taking him seriously because all I can think of is him as Lone Star. Lone no. <laughs> Star. So, well, that is a crowning achievement. Yeah, yeah. Anytime I think of him, I think of Spaceballs, and then he tries to play something serious, and I'm just like, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine, and it, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Who's the he been jammed. The exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He got fucking yogurt popping up, and he's like, "Oops, a daisy. Oops, a daisy. Oops, a doozy." And you know, I, I just can't do it. Yeah. I am. I love spaceballs, and I love him in spaceballs, but I can't detach him from spaceballs. I, I can't. He, I bet he'd be. A, he seems like he'd be pretty cool to like hang out with, but I don't. Know oh yeah, watching him. Like he seems like he'd be a cool, fun guy. <clears throat> like cool guy, you know what I mean? Like I bet he's in a fun sense of humor and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I've heard some cool stories about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, cool, yeah. Something about I don't know, but what can you do? I guess I'd get if 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 they had to battle to the death, I'd I'd be rooting for Bill Pullman, <laughs> Tim Robbins. Actually, I just realized through this fucking movie, I didn't even mention when I met Jerry O'Connor. What about him? When I actually met him. Oh yeah, how was he? He was actually a really fucking funny, cool guy. I was on set of Crossing Jordan. Yeah. And he was on the show, and Shirley Knight, I believe, was also on the episode, and she basically kind of tosses him up a little bit. And this was on the, the lot over there at Universal, and I remember I mentioned, hey, do you watch this? And I didn't know. If you work on the same, the same channel. Mm. You're always watching their programming. And so they were just talking about, I think it was Survivor. And it was like, oh, did you watch Survivor last night? And it was like, that was the big thing they were talking about on set. And I got a kick out of that. And oh, he was good? He was a hell of a nice guy. I mean, you know, just down to earth, you know, really someone you could feel like it's almost like a cousin that you actually enjoy. He was, uh, he was on the view or something like that for a little bit. I want to say like that. Talk. The talk. talk. No, he's on the talk. He's on the talk. He's not even like past tense. He's still doing it. And his his brother, I think is actually a pretty good actor too. Charlie O'Connell. Charlie O'Connell's cool. I miss Jerry O'Connell and sliders. That was, Oh, that was was great. Yeah. That was the shit. That, that vampire was episode was hilarious with Tommy Chong. That shit was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I stopped watching Sliders when John Rice Davies character was uh, killed. Yeah, that, that that's fair. Live in the show, absolutely. That that's really fair. fair. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry, my my boy. I, I'm with John Rice Davies to the end. He's my boy. I hated Sliders, man. My dad watched it. I thought it was one of those things when your parent, one of your parents, watch something that you don't want to watch. You were like, I always want to watch something else, so I have secret fucking over like override of hatred for that fucking show. What do you think I of never one? Huh? Red Dwarf. What'd you think of that? I'm familiar. I never watched it, but I'm familiar with it. But I haven't watched it. You know, I think Tripping the Rift was my favorite, though. I love Tripping the Rift. Tripping the Rift. That was such a funny show. The I love that show. Oh, that was hysterical. I mean, it was on Sci-Fi. It was sci-fi so had a good thing going there for I, a while. 
The I lead like guy's name was Chode. You're right. Earth I think 2. Was, Earth yeah. 2. Sci- on the sci-fi channel, Earth 2 was where it was at. <clears throat> Yo, <clears throat> Lex was pretty fucking sick, too. Which one? Lex. Lex. You know what L-E-X-X. I like a lot? I have, I have such a huge appreciation for science fiction because of the budget. I hope so. Experience. And it's amazing these fucking sets that they can come up with. Going yeah. All, all the way back to like a Roger Corman independent to like a big budget TV. You know, it's amazing what these people can do, you know, especially science fiction. Because you look at these sets and mm-hmm. some of these structures that they're driving. It's fun. Dude, it's crazy. I was just on uh, this one movie called For the Galaxy, and like watching the playback, you would never guess that it was two people like opening this door and then closing it. We had to redo that scene like five, six times because it kept closing like awkwardly. But Mm. it's just so sick. Like you can just make whatever type of reality you want if you have the ambition to do it. Truth. Well, that's filmmaking. You know what I mean? Mad movie magic. Movie <laughs> magic. It's what we all do. It's what we all do is movie magic. <laughs> I can, I, we all convince people that unrealistic situations are real. That's what we do best. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. And I think that's why I like the makeup most. How makeup? Yeah, just like making whatever your fucked up mind wants to see. And then you're just like, oh shit, I'm actually seeing it now. It's not stuck in this little brain of mine. And people <laughs> are like, you're fucked up, but it looks cool. I'm like, thanks. Makeup's a good That's so much fun about the surreal reality that comes with just filmmaking in general. How you can do something so gross and over the top. And, yep. You know, whether or if you want to do something like, you know, how we talked about like the walking shots, you know, in this movie and how to figure that out and, you, and use, you know, perspective. I mean, you know, the, so the, all the different facets of what the camera is capable of mm. and how, you know, to pull it off and make it work from one scene to the next. And, and it's a real synergy, you know, that just comes with it. Yeah. Filmmaking. It's not just one art. It's a, no, such it's, a it's all art. It's all arts conjoined into, into one, distinct purpose that's that's what filmmaking is in my opinion and i think what we watched is a perfect example of what to do um when you wanted all the fire on all cylinders yeah exactly you can just work absolutely i agree well you know what i mean next up what do we got coming up next the running man or something like that Uh, i think we have i think it's creep show two creep show two no, I don't think it's creep. I don't think it's creep show too. No, I don't think that's next. Matt has the list, so Big he'll know. Sad. Yeah, it's you uh, had to hype me up, Billy. Oh, don't hype her up. Not to, not to. Actually, actually, uh, according to my list, is it, it's the Running Man. Yeah, it is the Running I, Man. Yeah, did I, say, I thought it was the Running Man. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, it's not creep show two just yet. It's Running Man. We're close to. You'll get to deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he'll be back. <laughs> he'll be back. He'll be running backwards. I gotta well, watch the movie again. Fuck. Well, it's like a post. It's like a post Terminator One, post uh, Conan, Arnold Schwarzenegger too. Like he had a couple of years there where he was doing some really wacky shit before. Oh yeah. Before he took on Terminator, before he did T two. 
You know, he did uh, the Running Man twins. Like he was just doing some wacky stuff. Kindergarten Cop was in that frame, if I'm not mistaken. Maratuma. Yeah. Sub Zero is now just playing Zero. Oh God. <laughs> We're actually going to have Arnold as a guest next episode. It'd be nice over there, guys. I would love to have him on here. I won't mention any of his films after 2001. I promise. (laughs) Realistically, Creepshow. I liked Eraser. Creepshow 2 would be next. But do we we want to go there? That's Why the not? not orig- they're not original King stories, I don't think. I, I, I don't think that Creepshow 2 has much involved with King. Yeah, I don't think I there's much. Think. I think it's all producers took over at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're going to return to Salem's Lot, which is what, the, the next one? Or the sequel? Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 God. I can't believe it. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, oh. why is it we're having the same thing? <laughs> eating contest oh, again from James. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love Larry Cohen with a passion. I love Larry <laughs> Cohen. I've, this is the hand that was dealt that he should have walked away from. He's like, well, I guess I'm fucked in this situation. So Yeah, no, he should have walked away from him. That movie's an abortion. It should never have happened. <laughs> I fucking love you, James. <laughs> oh, no, you don't understand. That movie stops on so many things that I hold dear. And I am going to hate watch the shit out of it when we do that. I'm just saying. We're going to hate on it. We're gonna drink oh, it. no. I'm shitting right, on so that's everything. that's a negative episode. Just prepare yourself because I am shitting on everything that movie does. Everything. I've ever heard from Maddie Fisher. Yeah. I'm going to be drinking the haterade. I have never heard that term before. And Maddie introduced me to the haterade. Seriously? You've never heard that before? I've never heard that before. The haterade. Tisk, tisk, tisk. My uh, mind, my mind, still boggles by the fact Larry Cohen, Cohen directed that film. I know I, it. I, it completely bamboozles me that Larry Cohen made such a giant, stinky piece of shit. Because it just, I just got to get this out of my system. Just let me get it out of my system. I'm really upset. Everything about that movie is bad. Everything, every fucking thing about that movie is bad. The makeup's bad. The plot's bad. The script's bad. The acting's bad. The fucking locations are bad. It's just. There's no redeeming quality about that film where I can go, oh, that's why. Like, it's not a Friday the 13th Part 7 situation where I know Buchler got fucked over by the producer and there's a really good movie that got fucking left on the cutting room floor somewhere. It, it's, it's, just, it's just every decision in that film is just the opposite of the way I would decide to make it, and I would have made it good. Oh, so. Oh, okay, so J- James, I, I want to make sure we, we understand you. So you said it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> It's not okay. bad. It's the worst <laughs> fucking film ever made. <laughs> like, The Room is better than that. Timey hey, was. Hey, hey, The Room is a classic. It's so good. Fuck loves The Room, dude. The Room is. Don't you mess with my boy, Tommy Wiseau. I'm going to fight for him. No, he walked into Hollywood and said, it has, it's, hey, Alex, straight up, it has its charm. The Room has its charm. But there is nothing in that film that goes, oh, this is a good movie. What about yeah. Philosophy It's Pastor? still better than A Return to Salem's Lot. <laughs> I, I think I can do this. I'm going to do Tommy Wiseau talking to Larry, Con- uh, Larry Cohen. A high lie. <laughs> what is it that you want? You are the most annoying human being I have ever met in my entire life. I just want to fucking punch you in your throat. 
Now get away from me, you strange little man. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. <laughs> no, I actually did my Larry Cohen and Michael Moriarty for Joe Bob and um, Diana Prince when I was working with them. I basically said, Michael Moriarty is the best fucking actor I ever worked with. And Joe Bob was on the floor laughing. And then he told me about how, what happened to Larry, you know, in his last moments. And what happened to Larry in his last? He actually passed away on a plane when he was was traveling. Oh, really? Yeah. He was, he was out of state and he was coming back. Yeah. It sounds like he fell asleep and he never woke up and, he was on the plane when it happened. Well, they say that's kind of one of the best ways to go. Oh, you want one little fun fact about dying on a plane? Okay. They can't do shit about it, but leave you there until they land. So uh, people are just sitting next to a dead corpse for for just that reason. Technically, technically, it applies to like international water. That too. Same deal. Don't it's worry. Time me on the wing. I just want to get back to Los in, Angeles. Jesus in, Christ. Let's get this plane from point A to point B. Plus, in plus transit, also, it has no law. Yeah. yeah. Plus also, if you know that you have a dead body next to you, you can put on a very interesting puppet show. You can <laughs> shove your hand right up the ass, and then you do a, a My Weekend of Birth. You know what? I'll leave that part to you, but I'll do the voices. <laughs> Jesse, I think we're going to make a corpse and we're going to make it a marionette out of it. Yes, we'll make an asshole puppet, like, yeah. just for Hawk. It'll be perfect. Woo! Well, hey, we're gonna, you're going to weaken and Bernie's it, though. You'd have to, like, duct tape its ankle to your ankle and like, get your other friend and have him, like, dance around. We can around do that. Him. That's very... We have duct tape. We got mm-hmm. this. Or we get a voodoo curse, yeah. which is what happened in Weekend of Bernie's, too. Are you going to help um, with this? I love that, those movies. They're so good. Oh, no. I, I, I love them. I, I wasn't I like knocking on it at all. the second one more than the first one. It's crazy. Me too, actually. No, nope, I, I love that's crazy at all. I think it's one of the rare cases where the sequel is actually way fucking better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Terry Kaiser. More he's, a, he's a cool dude. I, I noticed he was doing some conventions. You what know? the fuck can you even say about that, though? Like, that performance. It's like... How do you play a corpse? <laughs> it, it, I know. And it's so funny, because I actually it's talked smiling. to him about From a Whisper to a Scream, where he played like an old-school gangster. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, he's a versatile guy, did Broadway, you know, and stuff like that. We're still recording, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> I was just saying that. Next episode of the Dead Kids, they'll either be seeing Creep Show too because King did do the stories. Oh, um, I told ya. Lot. Thank you, Billy. James loves it so much. <laughs> or the Running Man. I'd hey, have hey, to hey. find. I would have to find Aaron <laughs> to Salem's Lot somewhere and fucking buy it in order to watch it. So that's the thing. I, I think it's on Prime. Attainable it is anymore, huh? I think as bad as uh, Salem's Lot is, that sequel, I believe it's actually on. Hang on, I'm not. I'm not. If I'm not wrong, I believe the Blu-rays are at the Blu-ray is out of print. But we're going to yeah for a while. You can only get it on the um, uh, DVD-R versions through the uh, studios. You can't get it on like YouTube. Because I buy like it, all it, my It probably is there, but I don't want to say anything and promote well, it. Just Larry Cohen, dude. I'm Larry. This movie. We turned the sound 
This movie's like yeah. nowhere. Like it's an abomination. Like I've never most seen people it. know it. I've most never people seen know it. it's an abomination. Wasn't it Kara Reed? Was like a kid in this movie? Yeah. Yo, it's on fucking YouTube. You it's can buy YouTube. it. Uh, maybe we'll have to. Maybe we'll have to figure out something there. You can oh, rent it God. for three dollars or buy it for ten. Oh Larry God. Cohen didn't direct it. I I just pass over it, but I appreciate Larry Cohen. So well, maybe I've we'll been collecting it. Larry Cohen movies for over twenty years. So this is something I'm actually going to get a hard copy of. And if it's only ten bucks, then get a copy I'll watch soon. It once, and then it'll. No, be- that's digital. It's digital on YouTube coin. I don't. Again, I don't. I don't think you're going to find. I don't think you'll find a hard copy of it. Oh, no. Not for under 150 bucks. Give me four days. I'm going to double check that, though. Uh, so I don't look like that. Jesse, get back to me in four days. And I'm okay, gonna, I will. So I think we'll catch everybody uh, with Creep Show 2, probably. That'll probably be what we'll be rocking out to. Just cool. was big into that. And uh, the, the show continues with the Creep Show 2. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. You know what I mean? Uh, we're passing a, passing a, a plateau. It's gonna go. We've had we've we've been to the heights of the Stephen King writing for a little bit. Now we're gonna dive into some not so Running Man wasn't even him, right? Wasn't that a Richard Bachman book or something? Was Richard Bachman? Uh, who also brought us Thinner and uh, Blaze. Like Thinner. Any, uh, Thinner is a a fun film. Um, I like it. I like Thinner a lot. It's a good times. I enjoy Thinner a ton. I think it was really well done. Very different from the the written book, but still great. I think I love the makeup effects in that movie. Of him just and I'll, I'll be the first one to eat some crow. I was absolutely wrong. You can get a hard copy of a Return to Salem's Lot on an Amazon for twenty bucks. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I was like I, the I shittiest guess... movie for more than twenty. Okay, listen, so I have paid a lot for a lot of shit that I regret that I've only watched once. That's sitting in my library. <laughs> I have a lot of great shit that I'm like, yeah, this is B movie, fantastic, and it's like, I am never gonna watch this movie ever again. This is the biggest piece of shit well, ever. But and there are, <laughs> so it's a mix in my library. This is but always, but always, Jesse, always. when you get when you get physical media, right? Like you have to put it out. Like if that was a re, which it is, it's a reprinting because it was out of print forever. Yeah. Um, when you first put something out, no matter how old it is, no matter what. You have to get your nut back into what you put into getting those those discs pressed. Well, of so course. You ha- so you have to put it at a certain pr- price point. Blu-rays, it's twenty bucks. Like almost always, it's twenty bucks for like a non-boutique film. Um, probably we could go back to that in three months. It's going to be ten because yeah. they made their money and now they're just trying to get the extra. Get it's the just rest to make your money back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Same deal with ours. Like. I put yeah. my movies out at ten bucks so I can get my money back on the investment, and then once it's once I've got that money back, I mark it all down to five because I will admit I just dropped forty dollars over at Vinegar Syndrome for the new Shriek of the Mutilated, and I think that's the title Shriek uh, of the Mutilator. Yeah, and it's uh, but it's just it's it's kind of fucked up, you know, like these boutiques, like just because you put a slip cover on something. It's the whole perception of value. And that's almost a conversation we could have for a different time. Is well, like, we almost turn it <clears throat> the slip covers are big business in that fucking world. They want them. But it, I, I, I could sell every slip cover I have right now. And just on their own. And I'd pocket 1500 bucks. Yeah. No question. 
easy. Even though they're not like, even though they're opened. Oh yeah, no, they, they just want they just want the slip, you know. Like, oh, they just the want the slip itself. They yeah, I could keep the, I could keep the movie and sell all the slip covers and still make an absolute gargantuan amount of profit. Yeah. Holy shit! The, I want, the the Return of the Living Dead uh, from um, Screen Factory, which is a very become a sought after disc if you can find it. The slip cover alone, people will pay up to between sixty and a hundred bucks just for the slip. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because they shred them and smoke them, and then they see the the movie in their head, they don't have to watch it. That's they why transfer they to another dimension. Them. Or you can snort yeah, it. I know what I'm doing this weekend. If you snort it, you see the movie a lot quicker. It's like in fast forward. Yeah. Pondering what I'm pondering. There's some other stuff. Like, uh, let me see if I can think of something that I can look at in media. Ooh, can we exit? Do we are? Do we say we're going to see everybody in the next episode? We oh, see no. everybody yeah. in the Creep Show Two. Next up on the Dead Kids of Derry. Woo! I'm thinking balls.